Today on the show, we learn the rules of survival and say bitter goodbyes. podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I am Lawrence. And I'm Connor. And uh, we're back at it again. Episode two. Take two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we liked it so much we did it again. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, our backstory is we just, this is the second time recording it because of a, a hilarious snafu. So... There's there's some hot takes there and and some just like probably off the cuff stuff that will never see the light of day. You guys are are welcome. You can't catch lightning <laughs> in the bottle twice, unfortunately. We're gonna try though. Um, yes. tec- technical issues, you know. What are you gonna do? They happen. But but suffice to say, episode two of HBO's The Last of Us series, you know, was another crowd pleaser. At least if you if you pull this crowd of two, you know, we, I think we both really enjoyed the premiere, you know, the opening episode and, uh, th- this, this new one, uh, number two titled infected, uh, was another slam dunk, I think. So, and ironically, if we're going to keep this theme of twos going for like a couple <laughs> more minutes, there was a 22 percent, uh, audience increase from the first episode to the second one. So, wow. yeah. So like, so like maybe this was just destiny. Yeah, everything's coming up deuces. I'm gonna hold hold up the peace sign the entire yeah, time. The whole, yeah, whole time peace sign. <laughs> peace <laughs> we'll be out. saying we'll be saying peace to someone. So <laughs> whoa, spoiler alert. <laughs> hey, no, yeah, we'll get to all of that. We will, uh, as usual. You know, if you've if you were here for the last uh, episode recap, uh, you know the deal by now. Uh, we'll just break down what happened in this new episode of The Last of Us. You know, all the plot points, all the all the uh, set pieces, all the all the big events, and uh, then get into some thoughts, reactions, and just uh, our overall impressions of it. So, can't yes. wait. Oh, I also have one more two thing. If you oh, believe good. it or not, let's do it. Yes, as of. This recording, The Last of Us was renewed for a second season. Season number two. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> which, which of course, unfortunately, really quick tangent, uh, is has, to my frustration, has renewed the uh, The Last of Us Part Two discourse and, you know, people being upset at the, the, se- the sequel to the game and a certain character killing another certain character, uh, all that good. It's... I, I I had hoped that that was all dead, but, you know, the news of a second season of the adaptation has uh, unfortunately brought that back to life. Yes. So, so anyway, that's that's just my little soapbox. But <laughs> we will we will, without further ado, get into um, our recap of episode two, Infected, of the HBO series. But first, we uh, we will take a really short break to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back and jump into it. So stick around. Now that we're back, uh, before we get started, we uh, 
need to do this housekeeping real quick. So, you know, you guys know the drill. Uh, you know, we want to hear from you. So send us some emails, send us some DMs, send us some messages, whatever. Two at a time, please. Um, <laughs> to uh, podcast at loreparty.com. That's that right. is podcast at loreparty.com. That's right. The new rule is if you send us an email, you have to send us two emails at a time. It's uh, yes. We only accept doubles of your messages. That's how I know you're real fans. <laughs> That's how I know you were listening. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But uh, if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can find Lawrence at produced by underscore LK on Twitter and Twitch. Remember that underscore. It's important. Produced by underscore LK on Twitter and Twitch. And you can find Connor on Twitter and his website. Twitter is Connor Howard VO. That is Connor with an ER. Mm -hmm. And website is of the same name. Connor, <laughs> Connor Howard VO. Dot com that is Connor with a er that's right as much as uh, as much as we both like to hear from you the entire team at the lore party uh, podcast network would love to hear from you as well you can always get in touch with uh, with us broadly on Instagram Twitter and Twitch at lore underscore party that's l o r e underscore party don't be shy we're uh, we won't bite we love new friends yes we won't bite neither of us are infected. <laughs> and, and so so now without without further ado we are going to kick off our uh spoiler free recap of episode two and just That's kidding right. it's full it's full of spoilers it's the entire episode so maybe watch it before you listen to this that would be that would be wise yeah be caught up first but hey well if you aren't if you aren't caught up now you're about to be so right so we start off in september of uh, let's say 2023 jesus we start in <laughs> september of 2003 back in the uh the good old uh george bush universe w's do world yeah. do we call it the yeah the bushy verse <laughs> the bush verse <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so oh, we're, in the, we're in the we're in the bush verse of 2000 uh 2003 mm -hmm. um we are find ourselves in jakarta indonesia mm -hmm. where military officers pull a woman away from her meal at a restaurant and bring her with them. She's revealed to be Dr. Ibu Ratna, which if I pronounce that wrong, I'm sorry. Don't get me internet. I think you were close, yeah. She is a respected and experienced professor of mycology, and she is brought to a hospital under guard by armed soldiers and asked to examine a sample taken from a human subject. Dr. Ratna quickly deduces that the sample is a strain of cordyceps fungus, but is skeptical when told that the sample came from a human, claiming that such thing is impossible. Mm. What? Yeah, it's, it's established that she's, she's you know, an expert in her field of mycology, which, of course, if you're not aware, mycology is the study of fungi. And, yeah, it's just kind of accepted that cordyceps can't survive in a human body. That, that doesn't make sense at all. But to uh, the military officer, like the general or whatever, some, some high-ranking guy, the look on his face is like, oh, well, you're about to find out. And uh, find out she does. Dr. Ratna is in a, next time we see her, she's in a hazmat suit, you know, and entering this sealed examination room where a dead woman lies upon the slab, apparently with a gunshot wound in her head. That's what it looks like, at least like a bullet hole in her forehead. And Dr. Ratna finds bite marks on this dead woman's leg. And she's obviously disturbed by this because they, they look like human teeth marks or whatever. And she asks the officer, did this come from a human? And he just nods grimly back at her. It's uh, 
very tense and you can tell he knows how serious it is and she's starting to realize how serious this is. And so Dr. Ratna continues her examination, gets uh, like pliers, kind of like forceps, I, I guess you call them, and starts pulling, goes into the subject's mouth and starts pulling out these crazy little fungal growths. They look like pea shoots, you know, like they kind of look like a vegetable. They kind of look like a <laughs> stringy vegetable, but it's these really creepy things. She starts pulling out of the, the dead woman's mouth and then, yeah. and then they start growing out of the mouth, like toward her, uh, just sort of eerily extending out of the dead person's mouth. And, uh, I mean, who can blame her? Dr. Ratna flees the room in terror, just runs away. Like it's never yeah, get the hell out of there. She's clearly never encountered anything like this before. It's unprecedented and uh, very terrifying. And meanwhile, the general is just like all super, you know, man is just super terrified and he's just standing there the whole time. It's like yeah. a perfect, uh, could have been a perfect Captain Phillips moment. Like he could have like, I'm the expert now. Like I am the, <laughs> I am the mycology, <laughs> mycology expert. Your research now. is now mine. It's martial right. law. <laughs> we're, we're already there. Instead, man is just fucking shook. He's like, yeah, now you know how I feel. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, you're up to speed now. That's what we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. This, we're, this is fucked up. Mm -hmm. And so afterwards, yeah, he brings Dr. Ratna a cup of tea and explains that the uh, subject was discovered roughly 30 hours ago and was an employee of a nearby flour and grain mill. Mm. Ratna remarks that such materials would serve as the perfect substrate for a parasitic fungus. Mm -hmm. The subject apparently attacked and bit several of her coworkers and was shot by police when she attacked them. The people bit were also, uh, they were you know rounded up and they were held for observation and executed once they became violent. I wonder why they became violent. Interesting you know? correlation there. <laughs> <laughs> so, we find out, though, however, there are, there are um, multiple potentially infected people still unaccounted for, including the person that bit the subject. So there was like, I think there was like 14 people mm -hmm. that were unaccounted, that were missing from the factory, and then one person that started the whole process. Yeah, so. yeah I think Dr. Rodna's question was like, but who bit her? And the, the general just says, we, we don't know. Uh, man, I had no idea. Just, no, no answers for her. <laughs> <laughs> and you can and, tell how obviously terrified she was because her her teacup starts just trembling in her hand like like it, like it's an earthquake. It's it's crazy. Oh yeah, there there was not enough. You could not give this lady calming enough tea mm -mm. after after. <laughs> There's not enough shit. tea in the world for her. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, I need the kind of tea that's whiskey. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but the officer asks her. Um, how the infection could be treated mm -hmm. uh, or vaccinated against, you know, if there is any like, you know, sort of cure to which Ratna uh, replies that like, there's no cure. I've mm -hmm. been doing this my whole life. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, there's nothing you can do about this. So um, when asked how the spread can be detained, she just like coldly tells him to start bombing, bomb this city and everyone in it. Yeah. And then she asks to be taken home. Which mm -hmm. I was, man, was the look on his face yeah. was like, fuck, I knew this, but I didn't want to be right. Yeah, it's one of those things like hearing it out loud from the the more knowledgeable person he brought in to help him with this. He's just deflated. The look on his face, he looks like a helpless child, basically, in that situation, like just hopeless. And 
how how solemn Dr. Ratna is, like how ser- dead serious she is. Like this is as serious as it can possibly get. Like there's, you know, no hope of curing. So your only chance is to just destroy the city so that this doesn't get out. Yep. No cure, just kill. Yeah. And like one of the things that I noticed, I went back and watched this episode again. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I noticed that I thought was that I thought was interesting in this part, you could kind of tell that they they figured that this was the uh, answer all along, because they had other scientists that went and uh, invest that that you know conducted the autopsy, got samples, like went and investigated this, and you know that there has to be some sort of uh, you know military person that's like. We just gotta kill everybody. Like that's the yeah. only like you know we had to put down like f- however many people so far. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the only uh, way to stop this. And it yeah. was like, fuck. I hope we don't have to do that because like that'll be damn near impossible. Right. So let's you know bring in an expert, and then it's right. like, Ooh. let's get a second opinion. And yeah, it's it's like uh, it's one of those things like you, you don't want to resort to just you know military militarily enforced containment like lethal force to contain uh something that you know affects people on the individual level uh but it's kind of like you have no other recourse and it's it's nearly impossible because you have to kill everybody that's infected yeah and you miss one person that Mm infection is going to come back fast as hell and it's it's actually what we see in the first episode with uh you know joel and his family trying to escape austin texas where you know, the reason Sarah gets shot in the beginning and, you know, killed uh, is that there's there's just immediately a military response, which is to just contain. Don't let anyone out of the city because the, the city is where the infection's coming from. If you let anyone out, they could be infected and not know it. They could carry it somewhere else and spread the infection. So no one can leave the city alive, basically, was what that, that policy was. And that's kind of what Dr. Rotten is referring to here or alluding to almost like teasing what's going to what's going to happen to the world. Uh, It's 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 a it's a terrifying scene. It's it's a it's a vignette of the world we know, the normal world transitioning into a world we hopefully never know, which is the world that's that falls apart because of this infection. It's it's terrifying. George Bush America to George Bush Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Po- yeah, the, the W years to the post W years, the bad version of the post W years. Yeah, it's <laughs> this is this is uh, uh, W. I'm just gonna say WW two first. <laughs> ah. Oh God! Oh, this is W yeah, two. That is our open like goes to opening credits after that, and then cuts back to present day of this of the series. We're back to Boston in 2023, and. The op- we open on dawn breaking, like daylight breaking on Ellie, who wakes up under a ray of sunlight in an overgrown, partially collapsed building, which is a beautiful shot, by the way, just the sun coming through the roof and the grass all around her, the moss. Uh, and when she wakes up, she notices that Joel and Tess are a few feet away, watching her very intently, very closely. And Joel has his uh, rifle, his automatic rifle from right from earlier, uh, just at the ready. Like, he's... <laughs> he's uh, He's ready to start blasting anytime he needs to. Yes, and you get the you get the feeling that they they were watching her probably all night. They might maybe didn't even sleep, um, or they slept in shifts to ensure that she didn't succumb to her infection overnight. And, oh, I know uh, for sure Joel didn't sleep. Oh yeah, <laughs> that dude didn't close his eyes. He was like, 
Yeah. At the, <laughs> at the very least, we know Joel wasn't taking chances. He was like, no, nah, I'm keeping my finger on the trigger here. That's uh, no chances. And, you know, even though Ellie survived the night, she's still herself in the morning. Uh, Joel is still very skeptical of how she claims to be immune. She, you know, kind of made that claim in the last episode. And he wants to take her back to the QZ. He's like, no, nope, this is not – this is not uh, – not a good idea. His like you know survival instincts or his his alarms are ringing. Like no, we got to turn around. But Tess seems convinced. You know she's like looking at Ellie. Like oh she made it through the night. She hasn't turned yet. Uh, so she decides we're gonna keep going. And then they start questioning Ellie. They 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 want to know what she means to Marlene. Like why did Marlene have Ellie in her custody? And Ellie tells them that Marlene found her after she got bitten. And they continue to press. And she reluctantly reveals that the Fireflies are working on a cure at a base somewhere out west. Now, as soon as she mentions a cure, Joel just scoffs and laughs it off like, yeah, okay, sure, yeah, right. He's heard of, he's heard it all before, and he's resolute now. He, like, puts his foot down and tells Tess, like, this is not going to end well. This is a fool's errand. We're idiots for even considering this. But, again, Tess talks him into continuing the job. Because, like, what we what we got from the last episode, she calls the shots in that partnership. Yeah. What I loved about it was like they both said miracle cure. He's like miracle cure, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm working on miracle cure." It's like mm-hmm. this motherfucker was like, "God mm-hmm. damn it, mm-hmm. I've heard this shit a thousand times." Yeah, you, you can like hear the rolling of his eyes, and it's just, he's like miracle. He like spitting the words out, miracle cure. He's just so disgusted by the idea because it's so like high minded and optimistic and naive to him. It's just like this. That's that's bullshit. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of like, Joel, you might as well have kept going on anyways because, like, you killed your, like, you were the plug and you killed your, like, the guy you were selling drugs to. So there goes your side hustle. Yeah, you kind of burned your bridges back in Boston anyway, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I was so. trying to get that car battery from the guy and I beat him. So Yeah, he might be dead. He's We, we actually don't, we, I don't know if we got confirmation that Joel beat him to death, but it's possible. It's very possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so it, what, what's funny is like this scene ends with uh, Joel just kind of like muttering to Tess like if she so much as twitches and then Ellie obviously starts mock like mocking like you know starts like faking a twitch and Tess shuts it down immediately like stop that's not funny don't do that. <laughs> right man is 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 wholeheartedly triggered yeah. and I was like this guy's going to put you down. Yeah, don't give him an excuse, Ellie. That's not smart. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you are literally like poking the bear. <laughs> so like, of course, Ellie's uh, infamous inability to read the room and know when to joke about things and when not to. Yeah, so coming I was like, there. man is man has just got years of of just like compounded trauma and don't try. Yeah, yeah, just don't. Like he is gonna fire that gun. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as the group, they they you know get out of the building. And then they venture into the overgrown ruins of Boston, mm-hmm. of Boston, past several Dunkin' Donuts. And- <laughs> Boston. Yeah, Boston. Oh, past all the packed cars. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you guess we're going, we're going through Boston. Everything is cool. Ellie, uh, you know, asks and is uh, asked for a gun and they are like, hell no, we're not giving mm-hmm. a gun to a kid. Come on now. Mm-hmm. It's because it's the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean we're an army. Like we're trusting you, a 14-year-old with a gun. Right. I'm not trying to get shot while I'm like trying to keep myself alive. She then starts to um, just like kind of barrage Joel and Tess with 
questions about the infected infesting the city, the creators from like the military bombing everything, you know, mm -hmm. to kingdom come. And um, she kind of queries about the world outside of the QZ. Mm -hmm. And Tess asks Ellie, Tess then kind of flips the script on Ellie and starts asking her own questions like, you know, uh, how is she bitten? And to which Ellie just kind of tells her that she snuck out into an abandoned and restricted mall inside of the QZ, which, you know, Tess is like, wow, you have some, you know, balls for doing that. <laughs> you got some balls uh, on you, sister. I love that line. That was funny. <laughs> but, you know, Tess also asks her, you know, she's since she, you know, reveals that she was out in the mall, if she mm -hmm. was there alone, to which um, she pauses and uh, or to which Ellie just kind of pauses and says, yeah, but mm -hmm. we can tell that that is probably not the truth. Yeah. Uh, given that, uh, you know, given some things from the last episode and given the fact that that was like very, um, you, the, the, the mood kind of dipped there. It was definitely an, it was an evasive answer and uh, we can, we can, it's pretty clear she's not telling the whole truth. Uh, you know, I guess this is outside baseball kind of, you know, getting meta here, but like as fan, as players of the games, we know that. Ellie was, in fact, with a very close friend of hers when she was infected, a girl named Riley, who Marlene mentioned in the last episode. But in the context of the TV show, we don't really know any of that yet. So but but we can tell like, oh, yeah, Ellie's not being completely forthcoming about this. Uh, yeah. We can assume that's either because, well, the whole Riley based on what we saw in the last episode. Riley is a very sore subject with Ellie and there might yep. be survivor's guilt there. It could be both. It could be a lot of things, but. Yeah, so Ellie evades that topic for now. Yeah, and then like she kind of deflects and starts talking about infected again, mm -hmm. and she wants to know if the stories that she heard were exaggerations, like uh, you know, including some tales of like uh, split open heads. Uh, you know, uh, they can see and they can see in the dark like bats, which mm -hmm. we all know that is a classic clicker. Got a yep. big old busted up mushroom head and they yep. scream and use echolocation. It's That's absolutely them. fucking frightening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which uh hold your horses. Uh we might uh <laughs> we might be seeing them again soon, sooner than you think. And then uh the, she even talks about uh what I what I loved about this is she also says, like, oh, is there one that can like fling like acid at you? Uh, like like fling ball balls of bomb like acid bombs or whatever at you and they just kind of laugh it off and we mm -hmm. all know if you played the video game that like that's a thing so <laughs> yeah yeah she's so, talking about bloaters right there and it, it's funny because yeah joel and tesla like, kind of laugh that off like yeah right okay don't believe everything you hear so that we can we can infer from that like this version of joel and tess they've never seen a bloater before but they have seen clickers before because when Ellie asks about the ones that can see in the dark, they both get really quiet and Tess just like kind of glances at Joel, gives him like a worried look like, oh shit, she knows about clickers, but we don't want to tell her. They didn't, they don't confirm for her that those are real. They kind of just leave it there, uh, which is, is great foreshadowing. Amazing foreshadowing. Now that I, now that I like, I've watched this episode a couple of times and looking back on it, like that was really good foreshadowing and just, you know, a natural reaction for people who know better, but don't want to scare this kid who's never seen the outside of the QZ before, I guess. Yeah, because there's a big, as we'll, we'll see, and you know, we'll talk about in a second, there's this mm -hmm. like surprise and assumption that Ellie doesn't know shit about mm -hmm. the outside world, which is like kind of makes sense. You get, she's 14, so she's, this is the only life she's ever known, and it's the only safety she's ever known has been inside of, you know, basically quarantine Boston. Mm-hmm. 
so, you know, there's there's all this back and forth, Ellie just kind of asking about the outside world and Tess and Joel just sort of making small talk as they lead uh, Ellie toward the Capitol building, the Massachusetts State House, which is their their goal. And to get there, they start taking a shortcut through a flooded hotel or like they're going to get the lay of the land from the top of the hotel. And they go into the lobby of the hotel, which is like just covered in water, flooded. And that's where we find out Ellie reveals that she can't swim. She's like, oh, by the way, uh, can't swim. But Joel kind of like gives her grief. Like it's it's literally waist deep. You're fine. Don't worry, oh, don't worry about it. His like tiny jump in the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this man is not heavy. That's funny. <laughs> so, there, yeah, there's a lot of banter going on. Like, oh, there's not a lot of pools in the QZ. How was I going to learn and stuff like that? And. Uh, so, but they, they, they keep, they keep going, they make their way up to the upper levels of the, uh, of the building, but they find that the hallway they need to continue down has collapsed. Like the, the ceiling just fell in on the hallway. They have to find a way around. So Tess goes on ahead alone by herself to kind of clear the way for them. And this leaves Joel and Ellie to just wait there, sit around and make small, like make very awkward small talk while they wait. And it's it's hilarious because you know Joel makes the attempt first. Like Ellie just pulls out her switchblade, starts like you know goofing around with it, and Joel like tries to engage her. Like it's a nice knife. Where'd you learn to do that or whatever? And she goes the circus. You know, just fucking with him. Like you know, and he he clams up, and so she's like, dude, her uh, Bella Ramsey's eye roll was so good here. She goes, where are you from? Just like you know, making the attempt to make small talk again. And uh, so we learn, yeah, Joel's from Texas originally. He shares that with her. And he also shares that uh, Tess is originally from Detroit, Michigan. And there's, again, this back and forth, like, oh, you know where that is? And she's like, yeah, I go to school, asshole. Like, of course I know where Detroit is. And so, yeah, just very smart Alec energy from Ellie. It's it's in, it's in a top form here. But Joel declines to answer when she asks him if there's anything between him and Tess. He's just pass <laughs> yeah not it not talking about that no yeah next next question <laughs> and again he you know ellie asks joel how'd you end up in boston again he goes he says pass it's just so he, he doesn't like talking about himself he doesn't want to go there and ellie changes the topic she asks about the infected she wants to know more about like how long they live you know what the infected are like and whether joel has killed any and he says yeah Quite a few, like, you know, kind of just implies, yeah, more than a few, more than I really bothered to count. And she asks him, is it hard knowing that they were people once? And he just says, sometimes. So. And there was another thing that I liked about that scene is like uh, when he asked, when he was like, you know, have you killed it? Or she asked something about infected, mm -hmm. like how long, when they, how long they live. Yeah. And he was like, you know, some live like a couple months. Mm hmm and then die and that's how you get like the people that are basically stick to the walls right but then some he's like you know i've been walking around for what did they say like 20 years 20 or something years. yeah since yeah. the whole thing started yeah yeah so it's like it's like kind of it's you know because like i know that in the throughout the game you always saw infected like plastered to walls and shit yeah. but it was like i was like oh did someone kill it but like you know it is interesting to know that they can kind of just drop dead but like yeah. when they do drop dead they make uh spread the infection basically yeah it would be it would be interesting to know the mechanics of like what what determines whether infected lives for 20 years and eventually becomes a bloater or if they just you know live that long and then find a place to make you know start a spore colony it, it, and it's also interesting because in the game yeah uh, infected will just sit there grow into the wall or the floor or whatever and start giving off spores that'll just infest an area 
and that's that's when you know characters in the game have to put their masks on. But in the show, it's more about, I guess, the colonies of vines, yeah, which we'll get into later. But uh, yeah, it's like what what decides how you know how long an infected lives? Is it environmental? Is it do they just they just lay down and decide to die one day, or do they decide I'm going to be a bloater? I'm just going to stick around, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, I wonder if eating to some extent. It's just all speculation. Yeah, they could, but, they uh, could starve or something, or the host body stars. Who knows? There's a lot of things out there. This is weird. It's weird. It doesn't make sense, and no one's ever going to give you the context that you, mm. <laughs> you need. Things but, we'll probably never know, but they're fun yeah. to think about. Yeah. yeah. But you know, after just kind of getting to the top of the hotel mm. um, and clearing the way, uh, the group comes upon a really discouraging sight. Yeah. Uh, their long way around that was supposed to be safe is like now teeming with a horde of infected bodies. They're just kind of littered across the street in like very like human centipede fashion. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like withering in the sunlight. Um, and they're connected together mm-hmm. pretty much is what it seems like. They're moving to left and right all at the same time. And it's yeah, like, like a, like a wave at a football stadium. It's like the, <laughs> Kind of lazy wave like the drunk the full drunk wave everybody's just like, yeah. like passed out but still trying to participate it's like but that it, yeah but it is like just just like fucking weird because i'm like oh i've never seen this before like mm, even people that have played the game like never seen this crap yeah and it's just weird um yeah. you know tess explains to ellie that like the fungus grows underground as we were talking about um and uh like this means that the infected can detect movement across vast distances. It's like mm-hmm. the ultimate booby trap. You step on a vine and uh, you're going to get overrun in yeah. a matter of minutes. Yeah. They find out where you are. They come after you in large groups. Yes. Yeah. Know where you're at. They know when you're sleeping. They know when you're awake. <laughs> <laughs> they check their list twice. And, uh, yeah. But they... Uh, you know, Tess actually tells Ellie that you're not immune to being ripped apart. You understand? Mm. It's important. I'm trying to keep you alive. Like, Tess is really invested. She yeah. is, like, she believes in this, which is, like, a very, um, it's, 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 like, core to her character here. Like, she's, like, you could, she is the one that's invested. She's calling the shots here, and she's, she is in, invested in protecting Ellie because yeah. uh, she believes in a cure and she believes in, in immunity, even though she's not explicitly stating it. She's still treating it like it's a job. Right. Uh, but like, so with no other option, they have to go the short way, which was supposed to be the deadly way. So this mm-hmm. takes us to the good old Colonial History Museum of Boston. Oh, boy. The Boston Colonial Museum. <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, earlier in the episode, the you know, Jell and Tess referred to the long way and the short way, and the short way being the one that's most most dangerous. But it's it's kind of like, hey, the long way just became the most dangerous option. So here here we are. Like we have to go through the museum, and when they get there, the front door completely overgrown with fungal colonies, just just you know, mushrooms everywhere. Uh, and so you think you look at that and you think I'm not fucking going in there. <laughs> no way. Yeah. But but Joel uh, he does this like kind of bear grills move where he like examines the <laughs> examines the spores he like kind of breaks one open and like you know you know dusts it in his in his fingers and he's like oh, okay they're dead they're dry inactive we're good Got so it. it's, it's crazy like there's a whole science to determining if these growths are a danger or not and, gotta uh, taste it a little bit just like 
<laughs> it's dead. You, you probably shouldn't put it in your mouth. <laughs> but, but hey, it's the only way to be sure. But yeah, that's, it's funny. That's, that's the Bear Grylls thing. It's like, yeah. I think I'm infected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so they, they, they figure, okay, it's safe enough, um, but they, they do tell Ellie, like, hey, you know, we're, this is serious. Like, I need you to pay attention and stay close behind us. Like, you know, don't don't get, uh, don't let us out of your sight or vice versa. And they get their flashlights out. They get their guns ready, and they very cautiously venture inside. And inside, they find even more infected bodies and you know, spore-ridden corpses everywhere. But they also appear inert and just they've been rotten for a long time, so they're not a threat. However, they do find one fresh human corpse that's not overgrown, uh, and it, this body has wounds that suggest that this person was killed. Uh, both recently and very gruesomely. This is not a good way to go. Blood everywhere. And you can tell this is a bad sign because Tess sees this and becomes visibly shaken. She's like kind of starting to panic a little bit. She like kind of looks at Joel, her face falls, and she starts trying to rationalize the situation. She's like, oh, well, maybe he was attacked outside and came in here to die. And, you know, maybe she's just hoping that whatever killed this person is not still around, not still inside the building. It's like, I don't want to meet whatever just killed this guy. No, good God, no, because he is shredded. Yeah, it's it, it, it's ugly. Yeah, and so it, again, still only way out is forward. So Joel stoically and sternly uh, demands complete silence from Ellie. Uh, he, you know, he kind of like as soon as he knows that there may be uh, danger afoot, he kind of looks Ellie in the face and says, "From now on, we are silent, not quiet, silent." And then he leads the way upstairs. Yep, and so they pass another mass of desecrated corpses and mm-hmm. fungal growth, and uh, the trio enter an exhibit room that's full of historical artifacts. And before they can make their way through it, an unsettling croaking noise freezes them in their tracks. Yep. And two shambling infected creatures with hideous facial deformities, the blown-out mushroom heads, mm-hmm. uh, emerge forcing the the trio into hiding um so yeah this is going back these are our blown out mushroom heads that uh, can see like bats these are the split open heads ellie was asking about yeah yeah this is uh this is yeah this is just this is part of the episode that i was like oh this fucking sucks this was (laughs) such a tense scene i know It, it only gets worse from here too it's well better worse whatever you want to call it it's it it gets real and so joel quietly without saying anything signals ellie that they can't see but they can hear Mm -hmm. and then you know it's like this they're just kind of chilling in this spot and like it's it's funny because ellie's just you know just eyes closed just like oh shit 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 Mm -hmm. shit and um you know they're soon discovered uh when when the clicker just kind of appears right in front of them and screams and yep. uses that echolocation and uh that's when it's on so yeah like first off that's just fucking freaky secondly yeah. i want to say that the people that they got to do this and the costume design and everything we'll talk about later was just like fantastic yes. and just like the perfect clicker shamble out there yes. but like the, the, the movements the sounds they made all of it was just perfect and just that scream right in the yeah. face and just them having to to do something, you know, like, oh, God, we have to react. Just and fight so, their way out after that. And so 
Joel goes to fire his gun and uh, at one of the clickers and it like grapples with him and like grabs the gun, which I was like, oh, fuck, that's not in the game. That's that's <laughs> like absolutely scary. Yeah, like, I didn't know these things could fight back like this. Yeah, so, that and the and the fact that he put bullets into this thing's torso, like just rifle rounds right into its center of mass, and this thing just shrugged it off, like barely noticed that it was getting perforated and grabbed the gun from him. Like, and it, it was so close; they were like point yeah. blank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so <laughs> this shit is real. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, oh shit! So like, you know, everybody gets separated. Tess runs away with Ellie, um, and then she gets separated from Ellie and is chased away by the second clicker. And then Joel managed Joel like manages to evade his attacker and regroup with Ellie. But then they're discovered again when they're trying to sneak away and Joel accidentally steps on glass. And that was such a terrifying scene because it was a pause. And this thing leaps like a banshee onto this <laughs> table. <laughs> yeah. Dives across the table on like after them, just like a, like sliding into third base. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> was absolutely nuts. So yeah. like, you know, it, it, it tackles both of them, and it's mm-hmm. basically just trying to bite them. But it's eventually shot to death by Joel, like right mm-hmm. in the mushroom head. Uh, <laughs> yep. God, that's the weak spot. And then yep. uh, the, the second clicker emerges, um, you know, but Tess reappears and gets it right in the ear with a hatchet. And then Joel gives it the uh, finishing shot with his... Uh, I think he he kills the first one with his revolver. He gets okay. gets the first one in the back of the head with his revolver, and then yeah, this was so cool. I love this part because it, it you know Tess whacks this thing right in the second clicker right in the side of its head and takes out its ear. So it's like you can tell it's disoriented. It's kind of like you know flailing around and trying to get a sense of where they are. And that's when Joel gets his rifle back and bam, right in the forehead, just puts it down. So it, this was yeah, an amazing scene. Amazing yeah. scene. Just, just fucking intense. Yeah. So the dust settles. Everyone's kind of regrouping, and you know they've they've survived this horrifying uh, life or death encounter. And uh, Ellie realizes that she was actually bitten in the struggle when the first clicker was on top of her and Joel. And there's like a a new bite mark somewhere like on her forearm, I think. And you know this obviously isn't good news, but she kind of laughs it off. She's casual about it. She just sort of jokes like, well, "Hey, if it was." gonna happen to one of us you know (laughs) might as well have been me and joel doesn't laugh at this obviously why would he but they uh you know they they pick themselves up again tess says that she has a sprained ankle but otherwise she's fine and they all move on they come back out into the daylight on the roof of the museum and the capitol building is within view it's like just right right down the road basically and uh it's a beautiful view from the rooftops and Joel takes a moment to kind of wrap up Tess's sprained ankle. And while he's doing that, he starts expressing concern over Ellie's new bite. He's kind of like, well, hey, she, you know, didn't turn from the first one. But what if this new one is just kind of like he, he, it's kind of a pessimism, but it's also it's a survival instinct. It's, you know, he's assuming the worst. And that's what's kept him alive all this time. I just think it's just, you know. Uh, shame once, shame on you twice. <laughs> shame on <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, I'm not, fa- I'm not falling for this a second time. Or like, yeah, it's yeah. Just, I'd be like, hey, man, I don't know how this shit works. It might have a limit. <laughs> yeah, like, it could be, it could be like cumulative. You know, maybe you right. punched no, your card. No one has ever been bitten twice, so this is uncharted territory. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, like why wouldn't he assume the worst, right? So yeah, he's just kind of telling Tess, like, hey, we better, you know, really keep an eye on her after this. And she just kind of snaps at him. She's she's angry that he won't drop this and just accept that she's immune. She uh, kind of snaps him and says, why can't you just take the good news? You know, just, you know, think for a second that maybe we can win. You know, she's like, like you said, Lawrence, she's, she's invested now. She really does believe Ellie's immune and she's, you know, dedicated herself to keeping Ellie safe and is just sick and tired of Joel's pessimism, I guess. Um, so she kind of pushes him off and he goes over to Ellie and they briefly take in the view. They admire the view of the Capitol building, which was a really nice rendition of the scene from the first game where, you know, he asks her, well, is it everything you hoped for? And Ellie just says, well, the jury's still out, but you can't deny that view. So, like, the way they choose what lines to bring back verbatim from the game and put them into the show, they've, they've like, it's all been really good picks. Like, that's a really good one to use. Then they move on when Tess kind of shows up and urges them forward, like, come on, we got to get moving. So Yeah, Tess is not not uh, happy right now. She is not uh, taking shit from anybody. Kills the mood um, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, they, they move forward and uh, they make it to the Capitol building with just a bite and a sprained ankle. So pretty, uh, pretty successful. Bite of the yeah, immune person, sprained yeah. ankle on the other person. <laughs> Joel still just being Joel. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, outside the Capitol building, there's a military truck, uh, which we can assume belongs to the fireflies that are supposed to be picking up Ellie. But there are no fireflies there to greet them. So that's not a great sign to start things off. And Joel investigate, you know, Joel urges everybody to stay back while he goes and investigates because Joel is the number one person that should be investigating. Man took down two clickers mm -hmm. and a Federa soldier on the way here. So Joel, Joel knows about those, uh, about handling danger. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. So when he opens up, uh, he opens up the truck and you can see there's blood in there and they kind of just kind of pass over it um, until they get to the back of the truck. They open it up and no one's there. And then Ellie notices some blood stains uh, that are leading inside of the Capitol building. And so they decide to move it, you know, go inside. And, but to Tessa's horror, there's just a group of dead fireflies and on the ground, like scattered about. Uh, you know, they ask like, hey, is this uh, did Federa do this? That's very because that is uh, how it happens in the video game. Mm -hmm. But uh, Joel pretty much uh, surmises that one or more of the fireflies must have been infected on the journey here because we can, uh, you can also surmise that the person that was like slashed up in the museum was a firefly soldier. Probably that one was, of them, yeah. Yeah, so they probably were infected escaping those clickers. Uh, you know, instead of doing the Joel thing and just killing them, <laughs> you know, hey, right. well, well, why not? Yeah. Remember the don't lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should have just followed the, the don't lose strategy. Yeah. Ben thorough. Yeah. They lost because they decided <laughs> they decided to. <laughs> Losing is a decision. Remember that, kids. Yes. Yeah. So don't don't lose, <laughs> especially not against clickers. Come on now. Oh, that's yeah. weak sauce. Yeah. You don't want that. So like they, you know, kind of surmised that like one one or more of the people were infected uh, and then basically it was infected versus non-infected and nobody wins. It's like yeah, anti-vaxxers versus uh, vaxxers when you guys <laughs> when you guys fight. Nobody wins those arguments on Facebook. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> just stay in your lane. But no, they they uh, they they ended up just fighting each other and uh, everybody died. And so 
we had Joel's like the healthy ones fought the sick ones and they all lost. And while like desperate and frustrated test searches for like a radio or a map or something that they can kind of can use to continue this mission, which is like strange because like that they're at the end of the road. There's like yeah. not really a car battery or anything. I mean, I guess right. they could technically take the goddamn truck outside, <laughs> there but there's a know, truck right there. Yeah. No, it, it just, it, there's your prize right there. The truck, everybody's dead, but mm. you know, whatever <laughs> it, they don't really have a, um, a reason to do anything anymore. Like Joel and Tess are smugglers. They, this is the, you know, I'm, I'm getting paid to do a job. Mm -hmm. uh, the job is, is no longer feasible anymore. So mm -hmm. I, I stopped doing it. That's just how yeah. that works. Yeah. But yeah, that's not, Tess is very, very, um, she's pissed off. Mm -hmm. um, and so Joel's like, hey, let's just cut our losses and go home. And then Tess angrily replies that the QZ isn't her home and that she's not going anywhere. Right. To which we get a familiar scene from the video game where Ellie is like, holy shit, she's infected. Yeah, Ellie's the one to make the assumption and just say it out loud and just, well, you're acting like you don't have much time left and just says, oh, you're infected. And uh, Tess doesn't deny it. And Joel is just kind of stunned and asks Tess to show him, like, let me see it. Let me see it. And uh, she opens her shirt and we can see a bite mark on her upper shoulder not that not far from her neck really and it's it's already starting to show signs of like contusion and it's getting it's it's progressing it's getting red and swollen and gross looking and not good it's so uh test just kind of you know it's like oops right we, you know, luck had to run out sooner or later and just you know she gets passionate though like her her energy's ramping up when she walks over to ellie's arm and holds it up and shows the fresh bite mark that she just got you know back in the museum and then kind of compares it to her fresh bite market like they happen at the same time and you know mine's getting worse hers isn't this is fucking real is what she's kind of like getting across to joel like she is for real she is immune you gotta believe me now and you know she's she knows that she's short on time so she's imploring joel take it all the way take it the rest of the way get get ellie to over to uh bill and frank you know friends of theirs they can take her from you they can get her to where she needs to go and the entire time, Joel is trying to, like, kind of talk her down. Like, he's reluctant. Like, I'm not doing that. No, no, they won't take her, yada, yada. And she just overpowers him uh, by bearing her soul. She starts sharing things she's never said out loud about how she feels, you know. Yep. I, something like, I never ask you for anything. I never asked you to feel the way I felt. Shut the fuck up because I don't have time. She's just kind of getting it all out there. It's one of those, it's one of those moments, like, there's no more time to leave things unsaid and leave things halfway like uh, so we can get from this that in their in their years they've spent as friends partners roommates whatever um there have been feelings uh that that tess had for joel that either he didn't reciprocate at all or just not in the way that she wanted and this is kind of her making this final plea like if there was ever anything between us you need to do this for me and she also makes the case to him, we've done horrible things to survive over the years, and this is our chance to do something good. I, I believe the quote is like, you can make up for all the shit we did over the years. Yes. It's, uh, Joel has no answer for this. He just kind of, he's just blankly staring back at Tess and his, it's, it's very subtle, but Pedro, Pedro Pascal does this amazing work of like, 
he's like clenching his jaw, unclenching it. His, his eyes are twitching just a tiny bit where he's like struggling with what to say and what to do with all this. It's a very intense scene. It's very emotional. It's very charged and weighted. So, Because what I love about him and like how he captures Joel is like he just pushes everything down. And you can yeah. see him just pulling himself away from the situation. And yeah. then like on the opposite end, Tess knows that she can't do that anymore. Like yeah. this is it. So like she's just like lamenting on their survival, like all of that stuff that they were so used to just, you know, like whatever we had to survive. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we did some shit. Like we need, like we did some shit. So like, let mm-hmm. us do something good for once. I yeah. loved this scene. I like so few words, but it was so powerful. It was really good. Yeah. And so like, you know, at the same time as, you know, as, as all this is going on, an infected firefly, uh, pre- previously thought dead, kind of just gets up and mm-hmm. startles the shit out of Ellie. And then Joel just, you know, I got to escape this situation somehow, puts it down. <laughs> He's like, oh, finally a topic yeah. change. <laughs> yeah, I can, you know, this is my way out of this conversation. <laughs> and so shooting it, um, like triggers the hive mind response. Mm-hmm. You can see like the vines wrap around its like hands. And then um, all of those like human centipede infected <laughs> folks on the, uh, on the uh, long path mm-hmm. basically get up because they're yeah. like, Oh, dinner's arrived. And so yep. a horde of infected creatures just starts to rush towards them, um, which they, they realize. And um, you know, they're like, we have, like less than a minute to to get the hell out of here. So Tess does the honorable thing, you know, after saying like, hey, we have to do something. She decides to sacrifice herself uh, mm-hmm. to buy time for Joel and Ellie. So she starts spilling fuel and explosives like all around the room, just these barrels of fuel, all these grenades, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she Im- approaches Joel and gives him the parting words, save who you can save. And he does it like like, you know, he just gives her that look and then he pulls Ellie away uh, and they make a run for it. And Ellie is just, you know, pissed like it's yeah. just it's not really pissed, but Ellie is just sad, upset at leaving Tess behind. Yeah. yeah and just kind of throwing, um, you know, she just just refute wants to just like wants to save Tess, but you know it's just like that survival survivor's guilt it's yeah it's i think she accepts on some level there's nothing she can do but ellie is obviously very upset about the idea of what well, uh, someone else dying on her like someone else leaving her life and having to leave someone behind it's tense yeah so joel and ellie make a run for it uh and tess bravely stays behind and starts getting her lighter out trying to spark it off to uh set off this trap that she's made and there's no time left because infected people are just pouring into the capitol building starting to surround her and the lighter is not working it's the tension is like at its peak here where you know she's desperately trying to light the lighter and the terror on her face you know it's just it's palpable because i've praised anna torv's performance of tess before and uh, she nailed it again here she did so well with this scene where it's just pure helplessness and desperation on her face as the infected they're not swarming her and attacking her violently strangely enough they're just kind of crowding around slowly 
I, I, you know, this is just a theory of mine, but I, I feel like it's pretty, pretty plausible is that they can tell she's infected. They can tell that she's pretty close to turning. And so it's just, oh, this is one of us, I think. And this one infected person who looks like he has mushroom antlers growing out of his head, uh, it, you know, is just getting closer and sort of like slowly approaching her. And again, she's she's backed into her corner now. She's up, up against the wall, still trying to work the lighter. And this this thing slowly starts extending tendrils from its mouth and into hers. It's like putting his mouth on hers. And she's just rooted to the spot as this is happening. And the infection starts to take hold. Like you can tell she's literally moments away from turning and losing her mind entirely. And at the last second, she manages to manages to ignite the lighter and it drops from her trembling hands and she closes her eyes. And a second later, explosion just incinerates the entire infected horde. Fireballs leap out of the building as Joel and Ellie are trying to run away and they look back and see the fire erupt from the building. It's just such a, such a dramatic scene. And Joel and Ellie, all they can do is just look on in shocked horror as, as Tess makes this fiery sacrifice. And, you know, we've kind of alluded to this before, but it's this selflessness that the ultimate selflessness that Tess was ready to do and was asking Joel to be ready to do as well. Like we, we've been selfish all these years, but we're, we're finally able to do something truly selfless and do something good. And she kind of leads by example. You know, I'm not just asking you to do something selfless. I'm going to do something selfless too. And it's this uh, dramatic send off. And Joel just kind of looks at it for just a moment. He's like pausing and looking back on his friend's death. And he doesn't take long though. Before long, he turns around and starts walking away. And Ellie takes a little bit longer of a pause. And she actually takes a very deep breath. And it's fun. It's what's interesting is my wife actually pointed this out to me. We were watching this episode together once, and she says that's actually a very common grounding technique. If like you're going through something traumatic, and you know you just need to center yourself, you know it's a deep breath to take a moment and come back to reality and compartmentalize. And you know, but it's like this this dichotomy between Ellie trying to process something that she just went through and Joel just shutting it down and moving on. It's like the two approaches, I guess. But. Yeah, Ellie takes that breath and goes on to join him. You can you can almost hear Tess in the background shout Moab. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you can you can actually see the numbers appearing above the Capitol building where she's getting her kill streak for taking out so many infected at once. <laughs> she can call in the chopper gunner now. <laughs> yeah, mother of all bombs, gotcha. No, and and like also you know what this means. Then there were two. Oh my God! There it is again. Second episode, all about all about the twos, man. Back to the twos. Yeah, it's a sign. I don't know what it means. You could even, if you really wanted to go really. um, Well, actually, no, that wouldn't make sense. Never mind. I was gonna have something else. I was gonna be uh, like, oh, if you want to go twos, Uh, but no, it wouldn't work. But you know, it was just like 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 you're going back to what you were saying. Mm It is crazy to see that the the dichotomy between Joel and Ellie, like Ellie is just, this is the world that she's always grown up in. So it's a little bit, you know, it's, you know, so normal, but like who can process this world better than someone who this is the only thing that they've known. Like Joel can't process this shit. He's lived here 20 years and it's like my way of processing is surviving. Like 
Yeah. He's watched, literally watched possibly a lover or best, at least best friend, just ask him to do something. And the only thing he could do is like, just like kind of not process, you know, just like pull away. Yeah. And uh, then we just see him at the very end, just kind of look back once and it's just like, well, this sucks and it hurts, yeah. but I don't know how to, what to feel about this. So like Tess is dead. We have to go. I got to do this thing for Tess now. And it's, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of just, it's interesting. It's just powerful. Cause like, yeah, you know, Joel can basically experience this loss that of someone that is like really close to him. And it's, basically doesn't visibly affect him. It just all kind of goes down into this pit inside of him. That is closing credits on episode two, Infected. So that's our recap. And uh, we're going to get into our overall impressions, our thoughts on this episode next. But first, another quick break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. So don't go anywhere. Okay, we're back, and it's time for our thoughts, our kind of, I guess, uh, reflection portion on episode two of the HBO The Last of Us series. I'll go ahead and kick us off. I have a few things, just overall thoughts on this episode. Just generally, uh, again, the visuals continue to be amazing in this episode. I really liked the uh, opening scene of Ellie in that patch of sunlight, the view of the Capitol building from the museum, and kind of related is... The, the banter between Ellie and Ch- Tess and Joel is was great. It really captured that, you know, spirit of the game, the the smart aleck attitude, the dialogue that, you know, it really evokes the the energy from the game really well. So that was fun to fun to listen to. And, you know, they, they work some really cool character foreshadowing and action foreshadowing into the dialogue, though. So it all it all served a purpose. And uh, you know, we talked about this earlier, but I'll just reiterate the clicker scene, the the reveal and the fight scene. It's 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 exactly what I would have wanted from it. It was so tense and visceral, and it it had like a horror movie vibe to it that you know didn't overstay its welcome. It was like just this little departure from drama territory into action horror territory. It was awesome. But yeah, so like I was concerned going into that clicker scene. I was like concerned for a minute, like oh they're just gonna escape and run away from the clickers and get away from them and they're not going to kill them because <laughs> what i love what i love about the game is like these terrifying threats that are you know hard to deal with and they're hard to kill and they're very dangerous they can kill you very easily but when you overcome them and finish them off it's very satisfying and so when that's what happened i was like oh man they they fucking killed the clickers it was so fun to watch it was so satisfying yeah and you know just it was it was really great and there were actually, you know, departures from the game in this episode. There were things they changed that I thought were for the better. Uh, yeah, like, 100%. Yeah, so in the game at the Capitol building, they, you know, find out that the Fireflies were killed by Fedra soldiers. And then more soldiers arrive and chase them away, and that's when Tess kind of sacrifices herself. That's what happened in the game. But I think changing it to a horde of infected being the threat that Tess sacrifices herself against and... It makes more sense narratively because it just it feels more logically consistent. Like how I guess with the view of ruined Boston that we got in the show, I would have had a hard time buying a bunch of soldiers just showing up right then when yeah you know Tess and Joel and Ellie had such a hard time getting through the city to get there. You know. Yeah, and I would I'd say like even 
adding on to that, like what sense would it make to pursue someone that far out of a QZ zone? You know, you don't want them to, you just don't want people in the uh, quarantine zone, but like Federer was never about trying to retake land. They're about maintaining. Yeah, what what do they gain by going all the way to the Capitol building just to kill the fireflies, I guess? It's, right, for yeah. no reason. So, like, it does make more sense narratively. Mm. like, And it gives Tess a better death. I, I, I think so, too. I know that's a controversy, and we'll, we'll get to that later. Like, that's actually kind of a, a polarizing uh, polarizing concept of, you know, whether Tess's death was better in the game or the show. Um, but, no, I, I, I'm with you there. But yeah, put a pin in that. I want to talk about that. <laughs> so <Yes>. the <laughs> the other thing that was different from the game is that in the game, I think you mentioned this earlier, is that the infected in the game, they don't have a hive mind. They don't like they they're not like connected across distances like they are in the show, no. or at least not in that way. I they think on, they only work together in a group. So like yeah, like a clicker can detect something and scream, and then mm-hmm. like runners will go. But like right. that is just teamwork. Yeah, it's, it's all it's all just based on noise. Like the only yeah. reason uh, large groups of infected do anything together in the game is if like noise or you know something like that attracts them all. But in the show, they kind of added this hive mind concept to them, which I didn't expect that you know going into this episode. But it, it made sense. I think it works in this in this type of format where like they need to sort of. It, it's a little bit more sci-fi, I guess. It's like a slightly more stylized choice than just making it all based on sound or whatever but well also like i'm not i'm not a mycologist at all <laughs> uh but True. like it's both it actually like mimics um like what mushrooms actually do like mushrooms can do that like um that is true mushrooms can create like a widespread network mm. uh over like vast distances like i've i've seen right. something like that like there's there are like particular mushrooms or all mushrooms i have no idea but they can basically just like create a very long network of of mushrooms for miles that's a good point like it's not necessarily that mushrooms in our real world can like literally talk to each other but they do kind of they they are able to experience stimuli together they kind of share information it's almost like a nervous system that mushrooms are able to uh, create with each other so that's actually a good point that that does put the infected of the show in context like no they uh they kind of share information that way so now yeah changes that i thought you know make things interesting keep things a little bit different you know it's not one-to-one but it's you know changes for the better so uh one other thing i thought was interesting is that this uh, this was actually pointed out to me or i realized this uh after my first viewing of the episode so it was like i think on my second watch that in in the game it's implied that the cordyceps plague was first detected in South America, like crops down from South America that made their way into the States, the U S through imports. But in the show, it's uh, now more about uh, flour and grain specifically like flour and grain products from Southeast Asia. And I actually found out there's a, there's a pretty interesting fan theory about that where uh, in the first episode, Joel and his family they, they it's it's theorized that the reason they weren't infected at the beginning was that they actually had they avoided eating flour products cuz if you look at the first episode uh Joel usually has pancakes on his birthday but Sarah's making eggs and she's you know Tommy comes home and he's like what no pancakes he's like, nah no pancakes today we didn't have any and also Joel no doesn't cake. get a birthday cake doesn't doesn't eat cake yep. on his birthday 
So it's funny, like if if the infection came to the states from flour that came from like you know in Indonesia, and it's just pure blind luck that the Miller family didn't eat flour products that day or whatever. It's uh, it's it's pretty interesting. It's cool to think about. Yeah, definitely. Like it's like, like I, I imagine like it was you know like flour and and you know bread and like some other products too, like some other crops. I think it was like in the. Mm. In the game, they had like newspaper thing, or it was like there was like a list of banned crops. But yeah, um, I I do like that. I do like that. Um, you know, kind of confirmation that like yeah, the big a big source of this was like you know flower products like this and, yeah. and like that that encompasses so many so many different things. And so like to yeah. think about how close they were to uh just being infected and and like yeah. you know what's even funnier if you think about it i just thought about this right now uh the first episode they're the adlers mm-hmm. they're like basically you know pushing bread into grandma's mouth in the beginning when they're yeah. taking you know sarah to school yeah danny adler so offers like, them biscuits which they don't take and also later connie connie adler's making cookies which sarah doesn't eat yep so yeah no it's 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 everywhere. That's crazy. What's what's really cool about the flower thing is that it it does help explain how the infection ends up in so many cities all at once. Like if yeah if if the infection was only spread through bites or you know infected blood or saliva or whatever, like if it had to be bitten by a person to be spread, it would not be the same type of threat that it was at the beginning of the outbreak because yeah. it was everywhere. It was like nationwide because it was in the food and people didn't realize it was in the food yeah. until it was too late. And there were major cities all across the country that were just teeming with infected. So it's, it, it's scary. Uh, it's, it's again, one of those things like what's so gripping about this show is that it's scary because it could come true. Yeah. And that's, that was kind of the case in the first episode with the, the scientists theorizing about, you know, cordyceps evolving to survive higher temperatures because of global warming. And then you think about, oh, flour, so much food that we eat has, you know, wheat, wheat products in it. I guess if you're, if you avoid gluten, you're okay, but I don't. So <laughs> yeah, I'd be been, screwed. <laughs> I'd, I'd have been so screwed. Yeah. That's one thing that the plausibility makes it particularly frightening. So yeah, those were kind of the high level points I had. There is one last thing I wanted to touch on, uh, for, for this episode, but we could save that for, for after it has to do with te- with Tessa's demise, I know that there's been some con- there's been some discourse about that. I, I I'll give you a chance to you know go through your thoughts first if you want to you know save that. For okay, last yeah. Um, so uh, my thoughts on this episode, my thoughts on this episode kind of center around that point, but like I I've got some other things. I will say that like <laughs> I really appreciated what I appreciated a lot about this was just the context that was provided like the the show opening like that was such a powerful thing to do like it doesn't it doesn't mm-hmm. uh, like we know what happened mm-hmm. we know an infection came in 2003 and we know that it like struck out of nowhere and the military had to bomb cities etc cetera, etc cetera. but it is really cool to see like we don't as, yeah. as like players of the game you only think about it being like oh my god the infection was this like it just smacked the the world in the face out of nowhere, you know, like one night it was just fucking crazy. But it's actually interesting to see like, no, this this infection progressed um, from something that was very small 
uh, to something that grew rapidly on its own. Like, and it wasn't just uh, one person yeah. randomly getting infected and biting everybody. It was people eating, you know, eating some food um, and then slowly mm. turning and then mm. infecting other people. So, like, I think that a lot of um, what what it feels like is some of the minute changes that came uh, were probably things that were just like, I wouldn't say like planned for the game, but probably like background notes that they had for um, just for world building, like that, like developers could work off of because like having it where um, what I really liked about having that, that kind of like connected system makes makes a lot more sense where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, hey, you can get rushed because you step on a vine. It's just like, okay, how do we develop that, you know, and, and like, you know, make the game, you know, playable and, like, not too hard in the very end. But, like, I liked I liked a lot of those changes. Mm-hmm. I liked that the infected were kind of connected and, and were waiting, you know. I, I like, because it's like, it, then yeah. it's like, it explains, like, okay, how come, you know, there was no military occupation or, like, some effective military occupation? And it's like, because these things, the way that they act is like really unpredictable. Like you can get swarmed by stepping on, um, you know, a a vine clickers are like pretty much hard bodies. So you can't like just gun them all down. Like you're going to get swarmed while you're trying to kill these things. So it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And um, even the point that they added about how the city gets overtaken a little bit more each year because people are trying to make it into the quarantine zone and then they, yeah. you know, take shelter in a building and that drives the infected, you know, like out because it come, they come and get these people. And so then you get infected in the streets and then they wait for more people. Yeah. So it's a very, like, it's a very deliberate, um, it seems like a very deliberate, uh, infection. Like it, it's like, it, it it's, yeah. it, it makes, it's like, there seems to be more, more, um, like logic to it. So I liked, I, I really did like those changes. Also, mm-hmm. I liked, I, I love Tess. Tess was one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did Tess justice. Like, they really did Tess justice. Because mm-hmm. she was a character that didn't last very long in the, on the show or in the game. Um, and, like, we, we got to cut out, where they cut out a lot of her more particular badass moments from yeah. the game. Yeah. Where she was just kind of like, take no prisoners, just like shoot you in the head. But what you got back in this is like a more realistic, like hardened yeah. person. Uh, but but keyword is person. Like she is hardened. Mm-hmm. She is uh, resourceful. She's crafty. She's intelligent. Yeah. You know, she's calling the shots. But the, but at the end of the day, she's a person. And like you see that like towards the end, like she has a lot of humanity. She wants, um, she wants to help Ellie. Uh, and she's wanted to help Ellie since they found out that she yeah. was immune because she knew that like the, the potential good. Um, I don't think this episode for her was ever about a car battery as much as it was for, um, doing the right thing. Uh, right. The, uh, something that would, would help potentially help everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I also, I also really liked Tessa's ending. I thought it was done very well. I thought it was just the right amount, the right kind of stakes, the right amount of dramatic energy, the right, um, it hit the right notes. 
I and I, I I bring this up because I like I said I have noticed there was a bit of controversy about this scene. Like the way again the way she died in the game was pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Just the the soldiers are here. I'll buy you with some time. I'll hold them off, and she dies in a gunfight with some Fedragoons, and that's all that happens. And in the show we now have this i get it's been called the kissing scene where the the infected you know puts his mouth on hers and the, the tendrils and all that i've seen some people were a little grossed out how it, it's even been labeled as a scene that was sexualized and you know it's um the, the, i've also seen some people say that oh this scene this ending took away tess's agency and you know, I, I want to acknowledge the the discourse about it. Like, I, I just respectfully disagree. I just respectfully, you know, I, I think you're with me on this. Is that no? This was this was perfectly in line with her character, and it was the right call in terms of communicating how this infection works in the, in the context of the show. Because, like, we've talked about the networked consciousness, the kind of hive mind of these infected, and how obviously when they came up when they came up to her, they could tell she was about to turn. So it was this whole thing of like. She wasn't fighting back, so they weren't fighting her. And I think even the show owners, I think there was actually a statement by uh, Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin that was like, they, the infected will only, you know, be violent if they, the person they're trying to turn resists them. That's why clickers are so violent. And like, and also just, you know, it's kind of like meant to be creepy because that's the point of a, of a horror show where it's like, no, this is something you don't want to happen to you. This is obviously a bad thing to happen to you. And it's scary for a reason. But, you know, and I guess my last thing I'll say about this, like, no, Tess showed tremendous amounts of agency in this in this ending scene because she took the initiative to set up the conditions to destroy this entire horde of infected, which would make Joel and Ellie safer. And, you know, that's kind of more badass than her death in the game because in the game she only killed a couple soldiers in the in the show she killed dozens maybe hundreds of infected you know, creatures so it's like you know what was the bigger sacrifice play and you know her agency was still very strong like it was like still i'm going to go out on my terms by blowing up myself with all these infected no matter what happens to me even if i'm you know getting tendrils put down my throat and like i'm being turned forcibly uh and and I, I argue that she was still herself, on some level at least, right up until the last moment because she closed her eyes as she dropped the lighter. So she was still choosing, like, this is the ending I'm choosing for myself. This is it. And so, no, I, I, I stand by it. It was a beautiful scene. I thought it was done really well. I will acknowledge that, yeah, it, there's a gross-out factor to that. They, the show took a relatively simple death scene of getting shot by soldiers and turned it into something that was a bit more creepy, a bit more off-putting. I'll give you that. Like, it definitely was creepy, but it's kind of like, yeah, those are the stakes of a dramatic show that, you know, has to communicate to you, hey, this is a bad ending, but it's the ending she chose, and it had an upside, meaning she, you know, destroyed this obstacle that allowed her friend and the girl that she thinks could be the hope of the world to survive. So, no, like, that's that's my final thought. I thought, like... There is a discourse about it, but that's my position is that I, I think it was a beautiful, well-written scene. So see, yeah, my, how I feel about my it. My thought on it is like, if you felt like, like if you feel like the, you know, it, it did rob uh, Tess of her, her agency, like, you know, I, I won't, I won't say anything about that. Cause I'm like, have, you know, like I, I if you have that opinion, like then mm-hmm. I respect that opinion because like, that's how you feel. Um, sure. 
how how I interpreted the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I I liked this this uh, direction that they went in was because I always felt like Tess deserved more because she did so much in the beginning of the game, and like. We see this person who like like some things they leave out that was in the game, like Tess just shoots a dude in the head after he uh, is basically just like won't get out of her way. And he's just like, you know, just throwing the, you know, just all sorts of shit and just like shit at her. And she just shoots him in the head. And like that's and then like they torture Robert and just she gives him two in the head. And and it's like she's just like a badass. Like she is a badass, take no prisoner. What what the show does yeah. is they're making these uh, Joel and Tess more realistic. Like you know they're older, and one of the things I appreciated about this episode was, uh, mm-hmm. like we got to see that with Tess. Like she felt like a real older person. Like she's a survivalist and she is crafty, but she is also getting up there in age, and so is Joel. So like. A yeah. little bit of that like video game badassness was was replaced with just like general humanity. And like Tess is still Tess, you know, hit a clicker in the the fucking ear with a with a damn hatchet. Like she can mm-hmm. still hold her own. Mm-hmm. Um the ending scene to me gave gave her uh what she deserved in the game, which was a good death. Like mm-hmm. in the game, she dies off screen for the most part, and yeah. she only takes out two soldiers. Yeah. And uh you know like it doesn't stop the pursuit like right. at all and so right. it's like you know tess gets here uh she's badass she's badass she's badass and then like these last moments she spills her soul and then she only and then she gets killed off screen for the most part yeah, and like basically. to me that always sucked because i was yeah. like she deserves more because she did so much and she was the reason she is the sole reason that this whole thing kicks off Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, like, cause Joel wasn't going to do it. He didn't, you know, he's not, yeah. he wasn't going to do this. She was what motivated the entire quest. And so I felt like she deserved more. And, um, like I get it. The tendril thing was weird. It was in it. It's like, it's weird. And like, I don't want to justify it for anybody just more other than like, it's, it's like, we haven't seen, we haven't seen tendrils come out of any other spot. Like even when, you know, grandma Adler was eating somebody, she had the tendrils true. come out of her mouth. That's um, true. so it's like the tendrils is the method of, of, um, of spreading the infection. And like some of the changes that we've seen suggest that the infected prioritize infecting, um, mm-hmm. for the, it seems like for the most part, they prioritize infecting, and eating um that's what like they tore the one guy up but like they were like not going to tear up tess who hadn't totally turned yet you know because like in the game it's like you get bit they don't stop they're gonna just rip you apart you know like so in the game they just they they it seems like you know this is it seems more clear in the show that they are prioritizing infecting people and like sustaining themselves on people Right. Um, so I did like it where it was like, okay, we're going to show you now that like the infected are not going to rip somebody apart who is infected, uh, and is not like, mm-hmm. does not pose a threat to them. Um, so I think it just, I think like that scene to me, I liked it because it gave test an opportunity to, um, 
it gave her a better death and it let her stand on on the uh, the principles that she the principles and the the moral change that she displayed at the very mm-hmm. end of mm-hmm. her life. Like she was like, we're shitty people, but like we don't have to be. We can be better than that. And yeah. she fucking showed it. And like she shows it in the game, but they don't give her a good death. And they and the show was like, no, mm-hmm. I'm saving this girl that I have been in the background really focused on protecting and this dude that i i have feelings for but i have never asked anything from i am going to make this sacrifice play but what i expect out of him Mm -hmm. is that he continues Mm -hmm. this shit on and protects this kid so my death is not for nothing yeah in the show in the game she was just like i will not turn into one of those monsters which was Mm -hmm. still great but in the show, it was yeah. like, save who you can save. And so, like, I loved I loved that. So, like, yeah, I get it if you don't like that scene. I, you know, nothing, you know, no right or wrong answers here. It's just like, this is my interpretation of it. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't make anyone feel like the same way I feel about uh, any type of media. So it's just like, yeah, it, these, these, these are all very subjective things. But just the way I see it, I'm with you there. I think it was just a more impactful death and you know how it works with different media. Like in the medium of video games, it kind of made sense for Joel, like as the player character, Joel is in another room taking Ellie away. And so Tess, Tess, you know, kind of dying off screen on her own back there. Like you kind of have to do it that way, but just because of the way player characters versus NPCs work. But with a TV show, you know, you can put the camera on Tess and like give her that spotlight and give her that dramatic, impactful sacrifice that makes more sense narratively. So it's like, you know, things are always going to be different going from one medium to the other. But I think in this case, it was a really good translation. It was a really good adjustment. Yeah, 100 percent. But yeah, you know, uh, the conversation about Tess was actually something that was very um very talked about. I think that was probably the most talked about aspect of this episode, just because, um, you know, the, the major changes from the video game and, you know, the conversation about, um, if this was a, you know, better or worse ending for Tess. Um, you know, I think, I think there's, there's a, a lot, you know, there's a lot that we could unpack here, but, um, you know, we definitely encourage, all of the listeners of the podcast to email us at podcast at lordparty.com with their thoughts. Like tell us, um, tell us what you think about Tess's demise. If you're a video game player or a non-video game player, and we will definitely put that on the show because it's, it is interesting. And I know that everybody has an opinion and I, I definitely want to be respectful of everybody's different opinions on this matter. Um, so yeah, I think this is a, probably a good, a good area to end it. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. Be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.